Hello and welcome to Comp. Coming to you a lot, not live, but from New York City, the epicenter of the epidemic. My throat's a bit scratchy. I'm a bit clammy, but I don't think I have COVID. I have not left my house in a month. I don't know. Uh, I am joined today by a very special guest, the illustrious, the magnanimous, the, uh, the benevolent, the charitable, the giver of life to nurses. The give, he gives life to the people who give life. Welcome to the show, Tim Dillon. I imagine there will be uh, an award. There should uh, be. I don't want to be presumptuous, but I imagine there'll be some type of award for the fact that I bought lunch from uh, Pasta Pomodoro in Jersey and had them deliver it to the doctors and nurses there. Let's be honest. I mean, the doctors, maybe not, but the nurses, the best meal they probably ever had in their life. Yeah, it's also funny because, like, I just imagine a bunch of fat, sluggish nurses full <laughs> of, like, chicken parm, penne ala vodka. You just loaded them they up with chicken. They work. <laughs> you just carved them up. It's ready to take a yeah. nap. You're, <laughs> like, passing out. You, you know, know someone's grandma like, is dead because you fucking gave him too many breadsticks. Yeah, I, I just imagine, like, the guy who's running the floor is like, enough <laughs> with the chicken franchise. People are dying. Do you think people They're are fucking dying? You think people? Oh no! I guess it, it takes away your sense of smell, which is the only saving. Because I think it'd be hilarious for people to be dying and going like, "Well, you having a fucking uh, a quinceanera? Not quinceanera. What do Italians have? A tarantella? Who knows? <laughs> be funny, just they're just smelling chicken franchise and goes, just coughing, hitting the button. Yeah, people keep saying it takes away your sense of smell, but doesn't every sickness? Like, doesn't every sickness when you're really sick? Do you do you ever taste like you used to t- like? You know, when you're really sick with something, man, you don't want to eat. Well, you, you I mean, know? it's usually not—it's not the taste buds. Usually, it's—it's the, it's the vomiting and the shitting. But yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, what? What uh, did did you make the menu, or did you just tell them like get them something nice? How'd that go? I called up. I said, "Listen, I got a hundred people. Uh, what are we doing?" And she goes, "How about panela vodka?" I said, "Great." She goes, "What about chicken parm?" I said, "Phenomenal." Right. I said, "Let's do some vegetarian. How about eggplant parm?" She goes, "Great." She goes, we should probably do one more. I'm like, how about a pasta? They upsell you? And then she goes, no. Well, yeah, she goes, 100 people. So she goes, she goes, each tray feeds like around 25. So she goes, let's do a uh, pasta primavera. It's very popular. I said, that sounds great. You know? She got in the. I mean, honestly, these people, they they, they deserve the timpana. You couldn't have gotten them a nice timpana? Oh, yeah, 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 from Big Night. Yeah. yeah, the special dish from Big Night. What a great allegory Big Night is for so many things in the world, you know? Sure. Like, the little shitty restaurant uh, that has a great chef that wants to make really good food, uh, and then the, you know, the big just bucket of tomato sauce that does well, right. like, you know, a few blocks away. And it's impossible to feel bad for the failing restaurant, which is why I love the movie so much. Because, like, even though you want this to succeed, you know why they won't. You right. know, and you also – it's just so interesting. You know, it's a good movie. It's like a, it's actually a good movie that people should see if they haven't seen it. No, Big Night. Big Can't Night's great. Um, yeah. What's the other one? The guy Isabella Monk. Rossellini, right? Isabella Rossellini. Uh, Tony yeah. Shalhoub. Phenomenal. Yeah, um, and Stanley Tucci, right, or am I wrong? Stanley Tucci, yeah, it's, it's Stanley Tucci and uh, Tony Shalhoub are brothers in the movie. Yeah, so yes. many people forget how many of these guys got their start in 90s TV. You know, it's very interesting. Oh, like, yeah. Stanley Tucci was on a show called Murder One, which ran for two seasons on ABC. The first season, it was just bald. It was The first season, 
it was clearly like they were trying to like capture the uh, uh, the energy of, like the O.J. Simpson trial because they had one trial last the whole season, and there was this guy, this bald lawyer named Teddy, and uh, it was this actor, this big bald guy, and then the next season they had Anthony Lapali, and they had like multiple trials, and it, it, it just failed. That guy but, like, is two- yeah. Yeah, which guy? Andy Lapaglia. He's like he. First of all, he's like a photocopy of someone else. He's like the the second. Yes, gen, like yeah. I, I can't place who. Yeah. But he's they they tried yeah. to shove him into everything. He's like the poor man's yeah. like Alec Baldwin or something. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what he. That's a great way to say it. he was a poor man's Alec Baldwin. They tried the murder one. The great thing about Teddy was he was like. The, the guy that played him, Daniel, but, but I think his name was like, almost like Benghazi. I forget what his name is, but like, he was mysterious. He was a good actor, I, I, you know, and it was, a, you know, 90s, and Stanley Tucci was in Murder One. It was funny. Like, I think he, he might have, like, might have had a role in NYPD Blue, too. Like, he might have done, like, a lot of these guys had guest starring roles. Oh, they jump around, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, Frazier, who's in the Pentagon Wars, which, uh, not yeah. as big of a film, but it was a great film. Did you see the Pentagon Wars? Like a lot of people. Yeah. What did you say? The Pentagon Wars. It was an HBO film about the uh, the basically the, the Pentagon corruption. When trying to, they were trying to build the Bradley fighting vehicle, and just the amount of like pork and and just like ineptitude and corruption, which was also a great allegory for this pandemic. Just because you know, like it's yeah, every fucking contract that's you know probably being made right now is just you know let's let, let's let's sit on it for a week and make them really and like bid it up. Let's bid it up. Yeah, you know, I have not seen that, but it is certainly um, interesting because, like, everybody that's you know when the, when the when the when the when the government hands out money, you know, everybody's going to line up. You know, every business is going to line up. I just thought it was so funny the other day, like businesses trying to make themselves seem essential that clearly aren't, <laughs> yeah. you know? You the my, <laughs> the my pillow guy and the fucking, and the yeah. fucking uh, who's He's making masks? People. Fucking, uh, they, they, oh, fucking Joanne. Do you, do you see Joanne? When, can they announce that everyone should wear a mask in public? I just love the guy from Jockey Underwear got up there and he's like, <laughs> we've been making underwear for this country for a long time. I'm like, stick to the fucking, what does that have to do with anything? People, like, love, people love our panties. <laughs> yeah, you know, you put your cock in something nice, makes you, you feel good. It's like, <laughs> you better bail us out, Trump. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is how America would end where it's like the CEO of Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> is making ventilators, you know, I, like. I, it would be so great. It was like a, it's like because like our French Revolution or equivalent would not be like people being like accounted for their like their sins against the people. It would just be like there'd be a public dole that'd be announced, and all these fucking Yahoo like CEOs would be like, "Well, here's where I should get a cut." It's just everyone gets a like, right. who's getting a cut of the fucking tax money, or whatever the stimulus. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, everybody's at the trough, and why not? You Did know? you see I this mean, Pentagon guy? This I think I see like a general, whoever, but like he was at a press conference at the White House, I think. And uh, they're questioning why are you like giving these supplies that are coming, these emergency supplies? You're giving them to like uh, private companies, and he's just going, "Look, these people have supply chains; they have warehouses. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to disrupt supply chains here, but it's so clearly, it, like, because he's probably not that corrupt. This guy, so it's just so funny right. to watch like career. I mean, not that I'm like, you know, no one's crying for the generals, but this is kind of funny to see, like, because uh, he was, you know, a good soldier. He's got, you know, play to play the line. So it's just so funny to see him have to like kind of uh, account for someone else's corruption and like justify it. Right. Yeah, I mean, 
I kind of know, you know, I'm not watching the news conferences as much as I was. In the beginning, I was watching them every day. And then you quickly, you quickly, like they, like comedically, you, like they exhaust their potential after a while because like, you've just seen it. You've seen, you've seen it. You kind of made all the jokes you can make about it. Right. And then you start realizing that there's no news coming out of these things. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's no actionable news. So you just kind of sit back and you're like, hey, um, let me know when we're going to camps or let me know when we got a vaccine. Like, that's kind of where I'm at now, where I'm like, I'm at the point of the quarantine where I'm like, if it's, if it gets much better or much worse, I'm sure I'll know. Right. But other than that, it's like there's 90 million articles now that are just all of these models and projections and predictions. And it's like. Yeah, none of that has any value to me or most people. They're making know? us everyone wear, wear masks or asking everyone to wear masks. And uh, so Joanne, you know, Joanne's Fabrics, that, that store where you go to buy, like, you know. Yeah, you, you yeah, yeah. Joanne's a... Fabrics, yeah. <laughs> so they announced that they were donating um, or, or, like, scrap, like, the, the, the materials to make masks to the hospitals with, like, with like you know, kits, like, to show you how to make them. And then someone, like, some employee leaks they just get this stuff is all coming out of their clearance bin. This isn't real shit. And it's just like how they have like right. Joanne's just like donating their trash. And we're like, hey, why don't you use this, use this in the hospital? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're such a you know what's interesting about you know this country in the in the, in the like in the, the position that we're in right now uh, is that it's kind of hilarious that like. You know, we weren't even in a recession before this. Like, things were so good before this. Right. That, like, e- even with 9-11, like, we were on an economic downturn. Like, things were obviously 9-11 was a paradigm shift. But, like, you know, there's something interesting about the idea. of We were, like, riding the highest we've ever been. Now we're heading to the lowest we've ever been. And it was, like, almost overnight. It was, like, one week. And there was well, nothing to pick. To be yeah. fair, I mean, like, look – See, in, in, in 06 and 07, like before the 08 crash, you know, people were able to, like, refinance their houses, and, like, and like there was tons of, like, uh, opportunity. Like, the wealth was shared on that. And, like, there was tons of people, like, you know, builders, contractors, everyone's getting refis, yeah. people buying, you know, and, using, and sort of using that money to, like, do whatever, you know, go on vacation in addition to, you know, whatever. In this yeah. one, it's purely, it, it really was just a pure stock inflation boom it really wasn't the, the economy, yeah. i'm not saying the economy was completely fucked but a lot of people were holding i mean ever since i, mean, I don't know what the, the veracity of all this but they've been saying since since the 08 crash like most of these people are, you know are holding two or three jobs to, for the job they had before you know, i mean they didn't make the same amount of money we know before. that you know that yeah. uh economists know that people that follow things know that I'm talking about like on Main Street, oh, just yeah. the attitude that like things were so good, not for everyone. And it don't, you know, obviously there's no health care and it rotted out, but there was never any of that. Right. You know what I mean? Like there was never any of that. So like just cash on hand, you work a shift at a restaurant, you walk out with 300 bones. Like right. that coming to zero, like the job, they don't exist. Like, jobs literally vaporize them. Like, yeah. they don't exist anymore. Like, oh, you worked at a resort? It doesn't exist. You worked on a cruise line? It's criminal now. Right. Like, it's just, oh, just from the highest, like, from just things are good 
to things are it's like beyond bad they're like over and no one knows when they're going back to happening it's just a weird psychological like i talk to people that still feel kind of in shock like people feel like people have this weird attitude where they're like kind of like what happened it's like you really just got stunned it's like you fell off your bike you got hit you don't know what i People still aren't processing what's happened. Well, look, I'm a relatively informed. I'm not, you know, I don't read the news as much as I should per se. I'm a, but I'm a reasonably right. informed guy. People don't think I'm an idiot. And even up until like a week or two before, I knew about the virus. I heard about it. Um, I, yeah. I skimmed some articles. But yeah, we were, I, I was on the podcast saying like, look, I'm, I'm not like telling people not to worry, but like stop panicking. And uh, you know, and look, I'm never gonna, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll be getting murdered. Lucy will be fucking, you know, be shot in front of me. I'm like, don't panic. It's yeah. going to be fine. I just, I hate, I don't like to panic per se, but it really, it, it, it came out of nowhere, even if you kind of were looking at it. I mean, maybe, I don't know if it should have. Maybe we're all Of course, kind of, dude. I mean, of course it did. I just love the idea of you still trying to order like food from a wet market in China and have it shipped. <laughs> like, listen, I don't, I have a lifestyle. I want pangolin and I want it delivered. Like, People uh, die of the flu every year. Don't just don't give me that shit. <laughs> I mean, it's just like overnight we're in this weird situation where I'm like, I I don't know. You know, here's what's funny about this whole situation. And I mean, it's, I don't know that it's funny because it's it's the end of the world, right. but it is kind of funny. Like you're just in this. Like we still have Instagram, we still have Twitter, we still have social media, we still have. You know, but you're starting to realize now that, like, at least I'm kind of starting to realize it. Like, oh, you didn't really need people, right? And <laughs> like, you 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 don't need any of these. Like, you can make money if you're in the business I'm in. This is very few people are in this position. Right. But I'm like, oh, I don't need any. Like, I didn't need a manager. I didn't need an agent. I didn't need uh, all of these people. I didn't. I could kind of just go online and share my thoughts, and if they're funny enough, people will buy them. Or, or pay to hear more of them. And I do, I only need one producer. I don't need a studio. My studio is in my house. I don't need, like, it simplified everything. And I think that, like, a lot of people are like, yeah, maybe maybe there's a lot of companies that are like, we don't need these massive office spaces. We can scale down. We can downsize. I think, I'm like, I don't need to fly every weekend and do stand-up comedy. Like, I love stand-up, but, like, I'm killing myself flying every fucking weekend to do stand-up comedy. It's ridiculous. Like, I can just kind of simplify and pare down. And I, I mean, that's a luxury position to be in hundred sure. percent. But I wonder how many people are having that thought where they're like, yeah, I don't need, how many friends do you re- Let's be honest. How many friends do you really miss? I mean, I only you have know? like two friends and I barely see them. Well, so. this is what I mean. It's <laughs> like, you don't miss a lot of dude. You don't right. miss a lot of people. That's what's interesting. No, look, you I mean, miss the freedom to like go out and go places. You don't miss a lot of people. People say that human beings are social animals, but I've never thought so. I've never felt that myself. Right. I, I, I never, right. I mean, look, there is a thing though. I do remember like when I was in my like, you know, early twenties, uh, I guess part of it's living with your parents, you know, because like I, I, I couldn't stay home. I wanted to get out. Now, like the young people disgust me. Like, right. you know, a restaurant packed with young people or a theater packed with young people, Way before this. I mean, now it's just, you know, you think about it, you see, you hear everyone coughing, you're freaking out, if it was even, but like, but I just could, I can't stand joy. Young people's joy, I find, I find aggressive. So, you know, I just. Well, it's ending. Yeah. It's ending, <laughs> which I lie. Like, it's also, listen, it's the result of growing up in a boom, 
growing up with money, growing up where everybody around you uh, is is in many cases, even the people that aren't doing well are being are able to get by. Um, it's coming of age during the Obama administration where there wasn't a ton of political turmoil, um, and now. You know, now seeing Trump, you kind of a lot of these kids have like, you know, turned off or whatever. You know, they're like, because now it is politically turmoil. Sure. A lot of the people, a lot of the young people that we know came up in this period of prosperity and relative, like the country wasn't at war within itself. You know, people weren't as, as I mean, you know, those tea parties and those people in Long Island that would right. dress up like Thomas Jefferson, but nobody paid attention to them or should have. And at the end of the day, it's like now these kids are kind of. A lot of them are better prepared to handle this than I would have imagined because they've grown up digitally. Yeah. They've grown up on the internet. They don't really need human interaction. That's you know a bonus to them. And uh, a lot of them are figuring out how to make money online. They certainly take all their classes online. Having a job online isn't like a freaky thing to them. Like this is all you know part of how a lot of that generation is going to work. Sure, it's going to be just exclusively digital. I mean, the corporations and, are going to want to push it yeah. just because, like, I think I think they're afraid. Like, you know, media is probably afraid because they don't want to be, they don't want their content to look like everyone else's. You know, because in, in, in a few months we're all going to be making content, and like the only asset they have, you know, is to have like higher production value and have these stars. Because like, if they if they you know if we all just end up working from home and like scaling everything down, which like yeah, I'm working from home at the moment, and like the content's all scaled down, it's like. You know, then they the last you know people who don't want a democratic revolution of like media, for instance, is the big media. They're the ones who have an interest right. in keeping it, you know, condensed in, in in the hands of a few. Um, but yeah, I don't know these these, these young kids. Uh, they claim. I mean, look, it's you you'll hear everything on Twitter, so you can't focus too much. But like, they do love to claim though. Hey, you know, we were born in in the middle of nine eleven, and then uh, we we you know we fucking. Were, we went to college in the in the with the financial crisis, and now you know as soon as we have a job, we're fucking this. Everyone loves to fetishize the uh, you know how how, like, how their victimhood and how you know gloom they are. But uh, I don't know. At the same time, you you had these kids just kind of there was there was a kind of lax a lax vibe. I mean, you had the minority that were going for Bernie, and good for them, I guess. You know, they wanted the health care, but the, you know, they love to pretend like. This this is a, this is assault on the boomers, for instance. It just kind of feels they love to. I mean, I, I guess this is a legitimate victimhood. I mean, this is a legitimate crisis, so it's hard to take a shit on them now. But you know, they're probably loving this. Is my point? They're they're, they're going to fetishize this for years. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to say. It's so hard to make any predictions because nobody knows where this will go. You know, sure. and this, you know, really. Every system, every red light on every system is blinking red. Um, everybody's using, I mean, people are using words like depression. Uh, it certainly seems like an economic death spiral. Sure. But it doesn't feel like one yet. Like right. it doesn't feel hopeless yet because we're, we're only a few weeks in. Um, there's hope. Uh, we're also heading into the summer. There's something that feels even more hopeful just about the summer than if this was happening in September and we we're heading into a long winter. And whether that's true or not, I'm sure it's purely just in our heads. But there's something about us that we associate the summer with freedom. 
And, you know, and that's going to fuck us up, I think, yeah. when we get to the summer and nothing's changed. Well, especially think, if a lot of people don't have air conditioning and now they're stuck inside. I mean, I, you know, it's, right. like, it's going to be a real pressure cooker. It's going to be like that. That's uh, why I think we need to end this quarantine today. Today. <laughs> end it today. There should be a million people in Central Park right now. What if there was a million people in Central Park right now do, d- dancing and doing staying alive? <laughs> staying alive. Staying alive. Ha, ha, ha. Staying alive. I mean. Well, like everyone, wants to, everyone wants to flatten the curve. I mean, what if we just kind of, like, juke the curve up? And so, like, everyone gets sick at the once. The curve needs to be – we need to – there needs to be herd immunity. It's right. going to happen in two weeks. And <laughs> What you should be doing, to... you shouldn't be feeding nurses. You should be throwing – you should be just putting out Italian dinners in the middle of the street, inviting strangers, like a big family-style meal, and get everyone together eating out of a communal bowl. I mean, you know, i got to be honest with you. These hospitals don't know this is coming yet, but I'm sending a bill for that food. <laughs> Are you going to mark it up? Are you going to make a profit? <laughs> what if I sent a bill for the food? What if I sent a bill to the hospital for the food? Dude, this like should... an invoice? <laughs> you should be on what your podcast every week going after them like you're fucking uh, – like Lenny Bruce just yeah. like talking about the cops on stage. Just like, like reading, reading invoices on stage. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, uh, and I just call the guy, I start yelling. I'm like, what the fuck did you think this was? I did you a favor, you piece of shit. I fucking got that food delivered. You thought I was going to fucking pay for all of it? Hey, we're all suffering here. What the fuck's wrong with you? I'll take you to small claims court, motherfucker. Like, I mean, the court's still running, right? Amazing. It would be amazing if I did that, you know? I mean, honestly, like, that... if I was like, look. I was like, our, the rule of law can't break down in addition to, you know, everything else. We have to kind of maintain some civility. You, you know, so, like, you, you know, these, guys, these, these hospitals have had too good for too long. These doctors have had too good for too long. You know, you got, someone's got to hold them yeah. to account. It's like, guys, what do you fucking think is going to fucking happen here? You know? You guys fucking think I'm going to fucking pay you away? How much are you fucking making? You make no fucking money in there. You, are you fucking me? Like, I start screaming. I'm like, you're fucking me? I mean, it would, just, it would just be really phenomenal. Let's be honest. I, I, I'll know? endorse. I'll, I'll I'll pay the the filing fees if you do that. Let's do it. Let's go to legal Zoom. Let's get fucking uh, Barry. Is that, is he still alive? Who was the guy who was like promoting legal? He was one of the dream team. OJ's guys. I don't know. Who who's Robert Shapiro? Remember yeah, Robert I Shapiro? Know what it is, ma'am? I just don't want to be taken advantage of. <laughs> Do you uh, did you see that story in the uh, I think it was there was a woman who wa- who went from D.C. to Boston on a plane to go visit her dying mother for the day, and uh, she was the only one on the plane, and like they start and she was like taking these selfies with the like it, it was like, it was supposed to be like this heartwarming story where like the uh, the, yeah. the the pilots just made announcements just for her and 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 they, the the flight attendant spent the whole. Uh, flight listening to stories about her mother and all this stuff as, as she's about to go there for the, to die. First of all, selfish. I, I, look, it's very sad that your mother's dying, but it's incredibly selfish to go into a like. She's, I, I don't want to stay there for a day because you know it, it, it's a hotbed. So it's like it, it seems to me kind of selfish. You're going into a hotbed and then coming right back. You and and then like, which yeah, I get, it's very sad. Your mother's dying, but I mean, a lot of people's mothers are dying. But also, like, is this the new economy? Like, these 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 flight attendants have a bad enough that you have to like, you, you know, is, is this the the new uh, personalized vacation? You go and just recount, you know, you, you talk about your dying mother for an hour and a half on a flight. It just seems grotesque to me. I don't know. I, these heartwarming stories yeah. never work. 
Yeah, it's also like, it's also like, what are we going to take her word for it? She's going to get, <laughs> she's going to get fucked. You know what I mean? Like, what are we going to take her word for it? Oh, yeah, my mother's dead. <laughs> my mother's dying of COVID. Uh, you didn't hear that? Like, I mean, you know, listen. We spent a lot of years talking about the hustlers and the scammers. Wait, wait, like making a casserole? What's that noise? I'm trying to find a fucking pan to fucking. I guess I could just put that. I just bought a frozen pizza. I'm just going to put it in the fucking oven as is. I don't need to put it on a sheet. No, put it on the grill. Yeah, it'll be better. It'll get, it'll get crispier. You know, it's like, you know, all I've tried to do through this whole thing is help people and be a hero. And you know what? I didn't even ask you to participate in like that, you know. That bullshit, like, you know, comic live aid horse shit. You know, I'm never asked to do any, like, you know, all these fucking billion trillionaires, and nobody gives it, like, you know, I mean, it's a live aid, comic, comics, you know, get AIDS or whatever it is. It's called, it's like. The Cam Neely Foundation. I, <laughs> it's like, what is my manager doing? Like, yeah. what are you doing if you can't get me on this fucking live aid thing, you dumb fuck? It's atrocious. It really you know? is. Well, the problem, I mean, part of the problem, I mean, do they have, like, Sylvester Stallone on there for some reason? Like, everyone's home. I don't know, but I can be on, like, hour four, which is, sure. like, nobody. It's like, get me on hour four of that goddamn thing. I mean, it's like, what do I have to do? You know? I Jesus told you years ago Christ. you should have made, made me your manager, but you didn't listen. I would have gotten you on that. You know, you weren't wrong. And I was, I'm, up, I'm I really want to fire my manager. He called me the other day. He's like, oh, yeah, it's coronavirus. So then, of course, I can't fire him when he has coronavirus. By the way, he doesn't even have it. And he's right. lying. And he doesn't even know. He doesn't know what the symptoms are. It's like my stomach hurts. My scrot- scratch, uh, I have a scratchy throat. I'm like, neither one of them are it. Right. But whatever. I'm like, I can't fire him even though he has pretend coronavirus. It's just so funny. He's like, yeah, I have upset stomach. My throat is scratchy. I'm like, yeah, that's not the coronavirus at all. But okay. I have allergies, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. It's fake. He just <laughs> didn't even Google the symptoms. Right. Now. Um, you know, but it's just, dude, he's, he, I just, I'm just fucking so happy to just like, listen, we're emer- everybody's going to emerge from this changed in some way, you know? And sure. the way that I'm going to emerge from the change is I'm just going to be like, listen, I, I, I never want to have a studio that's not in my house. That's what I've decided. I always want to have a studio where I live to do my podcast. And I'm going to go on the road when I want, like a few weeks every three months. And that's it. Yeah. Everything else is fucking done. Everyone's go fuck himself. I don't care. I'll do spots at the comedy clubs that will have me if they're open. And other than that, I truly don't give a shit. I mean, I don't give a fuck, you know? It's like... I mean, look, I mean, the, the entire apparatus of comedy, it's like a holdover of a distant time. It, it, right. It, look, it, I, I, I hope, and not you know, out of malice, but just out of like, efficiency, I hope that a lot of this, if, if it comes back, it comes back. Like, a lot of these, 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 these hanger-ons and these fucking people who should have been out of this fucking system 15 years ago... Just go, go, go! Do something productive with your life. There's so many, like, just kind of like adjacent people who like have found a way to kind of ingratiate themselves into a system that like doesn't need them at all. I mean, and and with the whole digital revolution, with the whole podcasting, and and, and now you can just kind of and Twitter, you ha- you can cultivate your own audience. You don't need. Look, I'm not talking about like the actual. I mean, some of the clubs, sure, but like a lot of these fucking, like, you know, these shittier clubs and these shittier fucking, and, he, and these bookers and these, like, you know, these fucking people who book these independent shows which, and, the, and these prima donnas. It's just, I mean, of course, a lot of old people are going to die, a lot of young people are going to die, but then the one silver lining is maybe this whole thing will get streamlined a little bit. 
Yeah, it's going to be. And, I mean, it needed to. It needed to. I bet a lot of businesses needed to. There was a lot of extra, and this is a correction, and it's going to be brutal. And hopefully the government can alleviate some of that pain or whatever. Do you think this is finally uh, – I mean, I'm sure either way it's a death knell because, I mean – High, real estate in New York, it never really dipped. High-end real estate never dipped really since uh, – like even in the 08 crash, it didn't really dip, right? Yeah, so, yeah, it never did. It never did, but that's specifically because domestic money was replaced with foreign money. Sure. But the, so, so there's a – like it's not Manhattan you know, because people talk about that statistic, and it's like it's not that Manhattan's magic. It's just that they just replaced a source of money. Right, but – because to your point, you were saying, well, you know, and I think you're right. There will be a lot of people who will work from home going forward. They'll yeah. realize, you know, but will that affect uh, real estate in New York? Because you're the people who are buying it, like these foreign people, aren't usually buying. They're buying like these high end luxury condos and stuff a lot of the time. Yeah. Right? So you think that that'll well, take a dip? I think I think two things are going to affect real estate in New York outside of the pandemic, which is quite obvious. And like right. you know, when when we, we, we you know. Number one is that there are going to be a percentage of people, and I don't know who, but they're going to leave New York now. I mean, it's just what's going to happen. They're going to leave. I have a friend who's a realtor in New York. She said people are ready. Going to her quietly and going, put, put me on the market. Get me out of here. I'll take a loss. I just don't want to hold anything right. I want out. They want out. Uh, there are people that, that are holding their apartments, and they realize they're not going to be able to sell them at any type of profit for years, you know, yeah. years, 24 months minimum. Um, but then there are people that are like, I will take a loss. I just don't want to carry the cost of having this apartment. I want out. I want to be liquid right now uh, for whatever's coming, and I need to cash out even at a great loss. So a lot of people are just going to get the fuck out. That's the first thing. So there's going to be inventory and, like, prices are going to fall, this, that, and the other thing. And I think the second thing that's going to affect uh, real estate, specifically in New York and specifically in um, Manhattan, is – like how deep is the cut of uh, you know the the financial turmoil um, specific to specifically commercial real estate, like commercial real estate, because the commercial real estate market is is going to get hit by this, and it depends how hard that gets hit. Like, do you see a commercial real estate crash similar to a subprime mortgage? crisis like do right. you see that which is very possible that you see massive defaults on commercial real estate and that'll affect the real estate in new york you know commercial residential everything just if you end up seeing a crisis similar to the 08 crisis but in in the commercial real estate where like people are like yeah we are beyond fucked there's, we got to walk away and there's a you know mass defaults and bank failures and shit like that do you think but new york city yeah. is in trouble do you in think real trouble I mean, the fact that look, of course, the the value of, re of commercial real estate is also extremely high in New York. And a lot but of people that are listening to the show know that I am, uh, uh, I, I I am a real estate developer. Sure. Uh, and I and I and me and you both run Thor Equities, which yeah. is a hedge fund. Well, and we're doing quite well. We're, we're involved in a lot of uh, pandemic we're adjacent. We're always doing. We always do well. That's what we tell our clients. <laughs> Mostly because, uh, as I as I tell them, the stocks are fake. <laughs> yeah, listen. Thor Equities, we've got we, – we, we, we say, hey, just get it done. That's our <laughs> – you know? What, what were you saying before I cut you off? Yeah, the, the, well, like because the thing is with commercial real estate, I'm not saying that it's not going to take a huge haircut or just, you know, massive – you know, but there wasn't really like 
a um, a bubble the same way there was in like the lead up to uh, the 08 crash. Right. You know, so I, I wonder yeah. like it might just kind of be more like this, the new status quo, like almost like a Detroit where um, it just kind of starts to well, rock. Here's here's what it co- here's here's what it comes down to. Um, what if what are businesses? You know, how soon do people start spending money in commercial businesses again? Um, that and, and 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 that becomes the major issue. And are there rent freezes in the meantime for commercial businesses? Um, right. I can't imagine that. You know, you're not going to see a significant. I mean, right now, nobody's spending money in commercial business. Now we know that's not going to last forever. But even when these things reopen, what percentage of their business do they retain? And is there any debt forgiveness on the other end? Because if there's, if, if, if there's no forgiveness of debt, if there's no rent freeze for these commercial establishments, you know, they're, they're, they're done, you know, and it right. just, it depends on, you know, the larger corporations will, 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 will swallow the smaller ones up. But like, you know, and I was reading an article about that the other day where it's like, there were problems before, you know, everybody's been talking about the commercial real estate crash that never came. Right. This is since the late. Everybody's been writing about it, the death of malls, the death of brick-and-mortar retail stores. You saw a transition from, like, you know, we always joke around about these shitty, like, pop-up stores and these experiences and, like, you know, we're, we're you know all of these, like, the cereal store. And it's all this <laughs> bullshit, uh, which, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're packaging nostalgia, and it's like, it's like it's not enough. It's not just a store. It's the, here's a DJ, and, you know, I'll jerk you on. It's like a whole thing. And a lot of that came, like, somehow replaced. Uh, but it never materialized. Like people still wanted to go out, even though Amazon was taking a large swath. Like people still wanted to leave their home. They want to go to the M and M store. They love right. the M and M store. Wanted to shop. Right. A lot of it was tourism. A lot of it was tourism, by the way, which is now dead. Yeah. But it's been the thing that everybody's talked about forever, and now it just seems like the logical culmination of every trend that everyone imagines, plus a stay-at-home order. I mean, there's a stop-work order where you know consumption's dropped completely. And now it's just like, how do these businesses come back? I mean, unless I and mean, you would think open up. You yeah. would think that it would um, like, oh well, it's the, you know, e-commerce is so big. But in the you know the years leading up to this, Amazon just gobbled up so much of the marketplace, and then probably you know Walmart and Target and a few other places like are a distant second. But like you know, because yeah. when, when the internet was e-commerce, not not quite the fr- internet, but you know, when e-commerce became a big thing, and like. You know, I guess during the tech uh, boom in the 90s and early 2000s, there were tons of stores. You would go to, like, different weird little websites. Uh, yeah. I, knew, I went to college with a guy who was, like, a millionaire. He was, my, he was like, you know, 18 because he made his, like, DVD website, and I went to it. It was a complete garbage website. But, I mean, people, he, he like, his, his, his things were, like, a dollar cheaper than everyone else. And, like, you were able to do that. And then, like, you know, a- Amazon, what are you, are you, are you fucking, like, working a goddamn steam engine? What? what They're making this? a pizza. Okay. <laughs> but what kind of pizza? Okay, the pepperoni? No, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing rings and bells. and fucking, It sounds like you're working at the Ridgeable. Um, Listen, it's sound effects, and you're not being charged extra. <laughs> the um, fucking... Um, Jimmy Fallon, you know, they broadcasted the Tonight Show with, like, a horrible resolution. But your listeners can handle the ringing of a bell. I appreciate it. No, um, I appreciate you being here. But, um, no, but, like, it, it's just, like... 
you, you don't even have that saving grace. Yeah, some people are making money on eBay, and they're and they're giving shit to these guys who are price gouging on eBay. It's a little distasteful, but I was able to buy right. flour. I I spent thirty dollars on a ten pan ten pound bag of flour, uh, right? Which is an exorbitant price, I guess. I've never bought flour before, but we want to make some bread, uh, make some tortilla wraps, and. Uh, you know, and people, look, I'm not, gouging is distasteful, and sometimes it's gross. And, like, you know, in a crisis, if you're gouging medicine, sure. But, I mean, there's a logic for it. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is if, if this guy couldn't have made a huge profit by selling me some fucking flour, I w- there wouldn't, there's no flour in the store. I can't get it. So it's like, you know, I mean, the, the only people who are at, besides uh, Amazon who are making money on, on this shit is fucking, you know, price gouge guys who are, like, you know, Purell in their, in, their, in their basement. And, you know, it's like— I don't hate on nobody's hustle. Right. I don't hate on nobody's <laughs> hustle. You know, I think if you got a vaccine, sell that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sell a and, fake and, vaccine. And you, uh, well, that's what I mean. I don't mean a real <laughs> vaccine. I mean, like, if you got something that you think has kept you safe from the Rona— <laughs> Sell that shit. Well, Alex, like, Alex nobody... Jones loves to talk about that silver spray. <laughs> and then, and, oh yeah, and like I think well, the you fucking don't the FBI went after him, right? The yeah. FBI's like, you can't. Right. You better cut <laughs> this shit out. We're not giving. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, they're giving, they're giving Rush Limbaugh the Medal of Freedom. <laughs> fucking going after this guy. Right, right. Rush Limbaugh the Medal of Freedom after Rush Limbaugh said the whole thing was fake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rush Limbaugh's like, yeah, this whole crisis is is fake, and he's getting the Medal of Freedom. That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, right, it, it's also it really like, look like he got that in less than a month later. We're in the middle of it. I mean, it really was a bad omen. Oh yeah, it's it's just so perfect, you know. Rush Limbaugh, Medal of Freedom. You were a big Rush fan back in the day, over. right? You used to love Rush, right? I mean, again, what do you say? You used to love Rush, right? You were a big Rush guy back in the. You know, I always kid. listen to him. I mean, I just don't listen anymore because it's like, you know. It's one of those things where, like, you, you got there's certain ways you listen to certain things, right? Yeah. Like, you rush Limbaugh, you have to be in Long Island, you have to be in a gas causing SUV, you have to be on drugs, and you have to be <laughs> selling uh, something. Like, right. you did, that has to be. When you take away even one of those elements, it's not nearly as fun, <laughs> you know? Like, you can't, it just doesn't work. You, you need to have those elements. But I used to listen to him because he was like, he was very funny, and he was amazing that he could go for three hours. Yeah. He was a goddamn pro. You got to hand it to him on that. Um, I mean, it was better when he was wrong. Like, the <laughs> show was better when he knew he was wrong. You I know? Mean, just the idea. I mean, it's, it's atrocious. Everyone brings it up. But, like, that whole thing with the health care, he's like, this girl wants uh, birth control. What kind of whore is she? I got to pay for her to be a whore. I mean, the leap, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the leap you have to make is impressive. It's gross, but it's impressive. I love when he told people after his first heart attack, he's like, I paid all my own bills in there. And he wouldn't tell people that much because then people would be like, oh, I don't have that kind of money. (laughs) (laughs) He refused. He's like, I'm not going to make it political by telling you how much I spent. And he clearly spent $400,000 of money, you know. Uh, Yeah, but he only spent that because he didn't want, like, if he he did use health insurance, you know, he he wanted to, like, the the – he, they flew some doctor in probably from fucking uh, D.C. or wherever. You know, he, he, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly... Yeah, he wanted to survive. Yeah, it's not exactly a move like a, a, a move uh, in solidarity with the workers. No, no. <laughs> solidarity <laughs> with the workers. What do it's you... going to be... Yeah. What do you make... Moving on a bit. What do you make of this, uh, this hospital boat? I mean, people... Now, for a moment, I've talked a lot about this hospital boat. Um, I, I've stoked a lot of... Uh, 
fear with the hot. I, I, I've said that you know it's probably gonna mow people down. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna bulldoze. Obviously, I'm joking. Someone, a, a train engineer near you in the port of Los Angeles, where we were about a month ago, we we we, we took a trip over there. Try and this is not some like Yahoo homeless guy. It's a guy who apparently is driving the train. He thought the hospital boat was like some kind of invasion ship, and uh, or is a you know maybe he's a Q guy. I don't know, but he tried to do a high speed derail into the hospital boat in in L.A., which I find uh, yeah yeah, and that's scary. But it's also like you know what did these elite people think was going to happen when like you just you know fed everyone garbage and drugs for years and then lied to everyone just enough so that everyone would develop, you know, you know, somewhat uh, understandable deep wells of paranoia and then take everyone's money. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, yeah, like, yeah, you have a population now of paranoid schizophrenics who've been running on cheap credit and sugar for their entire lives and now they don't have any money and now they're like trying to fight a war with you and they don't even know how, so they're trying to derail trains and shit. I mean, it's gonna get crazy. <laughs> I mean, do you it's think be the fucking Turner Diaries? I, I I know there's a myth of American, not just, not even just exceptionalism, but like of like, oh, we're uh, self sufficient and uh, and we don't and we don't panic, we don't we don't we don't you know we don't scare easy, but uh, which yeah, I'm sure like like any network news would prove otherwise, you know, in the ratings. But uh, do you think 9/11 was the kind of the real big chink in the armor for like? Because like that that that, that fetishizes fear for a lot, for a huge part of the population. That that, that kind of ins- like the government kind of created a culture of fear um, with with like you know not just the the attacks themselves, but you know the years and you know following you know the this is a, oh today's a yellow alert and tomorrow's a green one. We got reports of a cell in upstate New York and all this shit. Do you think? Uh, do you think they that kind of like was a big part of what led to this kind of Q, like QAnon type conspiracy uh, culture in the, in you know in, in recent years? Hello, did we lose Tim? Hello. Yeah. 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 The, the QAnon thing is a manipulation. So that is that somebody, whoever it is, has taken nuggets of truth. And weave them into a narrative. And I don't know who's responsible. I don't know if it's trolls. I don't know if it's people in Trump administration that like this. I don't know who it is. On a gut level, I mean, you you don't know for sure, but on a gut level, do you think it's someone, like, fucking around in the administration? Very possibly. Yeah. I mean, very possibly. I mean, I have no idea. But so at the end of the day, it's like QAnon is kind of something different. It's like a whole different thing. Like, what, what that is, I mean, like, the culture of fear and paranoia, we've always had in this country, and for good reason, because we are being lied to. Like, right. you know gutturally you're being lied to here. <laughs> you just don't know how and why. Like, you don't know how and why, but you know it's all bullshit. You just know it is. You just instinctively know it's fake. Um, and you just don't know how. So, like, anyone that just kind of weaponizes that very defensible instinct that you have, because you're like, you know, again, the, the amount of coincidences you just have to ignore uh, you know, Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, like all of these things that just have happened, you know, right. Iran Contra, this, that, the other thing. You have to ignore all of that and you just have to go, Ugh. you know, <laughs> the amount of shrugging you have to do to believe that you're being dealt with honesty in this country is, I mean, your shoulders would break. So, but then you get to a point with QAnon, which is interesting, where somebody goes, let me take nuggets and kernels of all that and let me convince people. It's almost like, how could it not be? somebody in the administration or with some type of vested interest in people 
loving President Trump, because what QAnon is, is this, and I also think there might be institutional religious people getting involved, because really it's just a remarketing, it's a rebranding of Christianity. Right. These people are evil, we're good. You know, I think it will eventually lead people back to, you know, putting money in the coffers of, like, corrupt ministers and stuff. But, like, yeah, I don't know that just troll would have such an investment in propping up Trump because this is what this ultimately seeks to do. It tells people that Trump is the only person in the world that is fighting against his cabal of rich, powerful pedophiles. So it's like it's either a foreign country doing it or it's a bunch of trolls doing it. Look, yeah, because I think it's possible, but the idea that, like, someone who isn't buying into Trump, because Trump's whole thing is just, it's the massive huckster, you know, nonsense. It's all, like, I mean, just just the, just the, the blatant, like, um, it's not even plausible, the lying. So, like, you know, someone, right. who, someone who's that, like, you know, you, you, it's not like you have, like, it's not like Trump is bad. Like, it, with the Bush administration, you had, like, B- Halliburton and the neocons and with the, the C, with the CPAC or the Project for the New American Century, PNAC or whatever. You had, like, vested interests and shit. But, like, with this, it's like the idea that it would be a troll. Like, why would they love Trump? Because they like The Apprentice? You know what I mean? Like, what, what, what would be there? Maybe it's a long game troll by a foreign entity going. When none of this shit happens, when the storm never comes, maybe a certain percentage of these people pick up guns. You know? Sure. I mean, yeah. That's the other thing. That's possible. You know? Do you think, look, I don't buy, when we talk about, like, satanic pedophiles, which are a thing, and it's overblown, the satanic element of it, but there is a, there, a certain level of Satanism, and yeah, it's. Yeah, and occultism, look, yeah, all that shit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. The, the, I almost wonder, there's such a lack of. Uh, rhyme or reason to any of it like, like rumsfeld made sense at least you know and fucking and uh what's his name cheney made sense the whole thing the iraq war was like you know a, a big work but it made like oh you saw why they were doing it this almost kind of feels like it's some power of like getting the people into a state of uh just complete chaotic frenzy it's almost like an occult a massive occult ritual at like the early stages of it what do you think well, i do think there's always been I, I do think there's always been some interest in you know, trying to manipulate people's minds, right? Yeah. And, you know, that, you know, it manifests itself in several different ways. But I think if you look at, like, the onset of, like, the 60s, the drug use, the LSD, the cults, and the way the CIA kind of used all these things and worked with a lot of these people, whether it's the finders or, you know, whoever, um, I think a lot of it was in the beginning. It was experimentation and treating human beings like guinea pigs and thinking about how you could terrify them and how far you could stretch their, you know, mind. Could you could you totally destroy them and build them back up? And you know, I mean, yeah, no, for sure. Are, uh, people are in a weird shit. I mean, that's the thing. This has gone around like the Marquis de Sade. Like people have been in a sadistic, you know, the emperors of Rome. I think it was Nero used to just go out and attack people. The street. I mean, these were, you know, like <laughs> these were people that were. I mean, apparently, class, Tiberius supposedly was yeah. fucking infants in the mouth. I mean, you know, that's. Oh, God. That's what dude, they, I, didn't hear that, but, I mean, I used to um, read a lot of Roman history. The problem is, like, even back then, the, the guy who wrote that was a guy called Tacitus, who wrote. Like called, you're sitting in the, you're sitting in the COVID yard, you're saying, Tiberius, <laughs> and they're like, can you shut your mouth? <laughs> people are sick here. People. <laughs> You're like, I don't have COVID. I, I'll tell you right now I don't have it. But I just came in and you're just talking about all this shit. I mean, the, the ruling class has always had a predilection for incredibly, you know, dark and twisted shit. Well, the problem is they need – they look, 
you can't work your whole life or have your dad work his whole life and, and leave it to you for nothing. You need, I mean, it sounds terrible, but you need to have a perk. And that, like, and it, the more permissive society gets, I mean, you know, you got to start looking like you need to be able to do something that no one else is allowed to do, I guess. That's part of it. I guess it's part of it. I mean, it's been going on forever, though. So I think maybe it's more innate. Like we're yeah. just there's something in our species, maybe that. And I don't think it's exclusive to rich people either. But I think a certain percentage of rich people are just pedophiles and/or sociopaths. Yeah, and they're able to control it and conceal it, and like they're able to facilitate it. And I, I mean, you know, it's hard to say. Um, you know, but but uh, yeah, there are occult people. I think it's darker than people realize. I'm not, my whole problem with Q is like, like the whole thing is just a broad brush of like everyone in Hollywood. Is a like, that's not true. But if you said that like pedophilia was a massive problem, it's a way – It's even if you went as far as to say it's part of the way that they arrange certain hierarchies in society and shit, I'd be like, yeah, I'm probably with you on that in terms of like when you look at the way that it's used to blackmail people. you know. Sure. But when you say that my, – my, my break with you is that Donald Trump, who didn't care at all about these kids for his entire life, when he was hanging out with Epstein, right. when he was – like the guy had a modeling agency. Like why did he have a modeling agency? Because he respects women? Like no, what are we doing? No, look, he clearly probably is a pedophile on some level. I mean like you have to – It's like imagine there – this is the only thing that I could <laughs> compare it to. Imagine there is a huge conspiracy against meat eaters – and the abuse of animals, and and I come out, and I'm like the vegan prince of freeing animals. And you go to my Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and go, all this guy's done his entire life is eat meat. What the fuck? Like, we're supposed to believe that, like, like what happens? Right. What happened in his mind that made him? And, and at least coincide. At least W, uh, not that he like he was just a, a cokehead and a partier, but at least he had a fake come to Jesus moment. Like at least he pretended like right. he had like he came, he found God. Trump, there's never been a narrative where Trump like all of a sudden like gave a shit about you know any of this. Dude, like, if you explain to an honor Trump, he'd go, you know, human trafficking is very bad, big <laughs> problem. Uh, you know, he wouldn't care like. I don't think he cares why the people support I've, him. It's very bad. I've made a lot it's of money deep, on it, but it's, it's very a bad. Deep, right. It's a deep well of narcissism. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I'm a comic. I get it. Sometimes you win the way you want to win on stage, and sometimes it's an ugly win. Like you point at a guy in the crowd and go, look at this fat fuck, and everyone laughs, right. you know? It, it, you know, because I'm fat too. I'd be like, me and you, man, we'd, we'd be fat somewhere. And everyone goes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so... And it's an ugly win. You're like, I didn't want to win that way, but they, I couldn't win any other way. I think very much Trump is that type of guy where he goes, yeah, I don't care why they're voting for me. Like, right. he, they could be voting for me because they think I'm going to arrest Oprah. Good. Like, <laughs> just, just put him in a so, – I don't – he doesn't so, – Someone says to he, him, he's a pro- they think you're going to arrest yeah. Tom Hanks? He's like, oh, can, look at, can we look into that? That might not be a bad idea. Yeah, like, he, he'd be like – you know, he. by the way, that's exactly what he'd say. He probably wouldn't even say no. He'd be like, we're looking into a lot of things right now. <laughs> We're handling a lot of, you know, it, it's just the perfect president for this stage of America. Because when you look at the diehard Trump fan, the diehard people that truly believe in it, and what it is, you trace it back to a lot of it. You trace it back to the disappearance of not only religion but of like community in this country. 
social clubs, uh, people having any type of identity, people having any type of communal, like, uh, outlets, like people just being lonely and alienated. And those are the guys that, because their community now is QAnon, or on the other side, their community is social justice. Like, they go to these online digital communities to replace what used to be a bowling league. Bowling is now QAnon. You know what I mean? Like uh, the church, the local church, like in in the town that I grew up in, the local Catholic church would throw festivals. They do all this bullshit. Uh, You know, all of that has been replaced by just rabid loyalty to Trump. And it's like, oh, this is what happens when you hollow communities out of anything that bonds them together. And you just have people that are alienated that don't even know who their neighbors are that feel alone. Then they go online and they're like, well, I want a community. And then they quickly find these echo chambers of, of, of people that are, that are charismatic. It's the same reason you have you know, those, those Islamic fundamentalist preachers. If you watch them, they're fucking great. They're like, wow, this guy is like really good. Like One of my favorite Islamic fundamentalist preachers is a guy in Brooklyn. And you watch him in his whole sermon. is his defense of taking first class. He's like, <laughs> it is nice to have nice things. Yes. <laughs> and everyone in the mosque is like, yes. He's like, God wants you to have these good things, these nice things. Like, and, and he was so funny and affable. You're like, oh, this is what we have. We just have alienated, lonely people that are vi- – Donald Trump's the most successful of these narcissists, but they're everywhere, whether it's <laughs> Gary Vanderchuk or who I like. People are taking you in because you don't have a family and, and you don't have friends anymore that you used to have friends that you would meet at the local bar. You know, all of these shows, whether it's King of the Hill, Family Guy, The Simpsons, no one has four or five friends anymore right. that they go to the bar with. Like, they, nobody even has that. So people now are just so, I think, alienated that they're just, they're just, they're, they're, it's a wide open market for people to just build cults. I w- we really should get into that game. I mean, you know, we're, we're starting here, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, I'm trying, but I just, <laughs> I like to make people laugh too much. I can't, like, it's hard That's for me bit, to be like, so much of it, you're right. how you're going to make money, guys. So yeah. much of it is, I mean, the, of the best guys, if you take a step back, it's funny. It's, it's the most impressive thing about some of these guys is that they don't they, they don't break to laugh. They don't they don't start correct, cracking up. Correct. That's it, dude. That's why I couldn't really do it. Like the <laughs> most, you you just hit the nail on the head, big time. The greatest skill of a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk is that he doesn't look at the camera and go, "Can you believe I'm fucking saying this shit? <laughs> Can you believe I'm doing and saying what I like?" Can you believe I make a living like this? Like, I would respect the hell out of that guy. He looked at the camera even once and went, fuck, guys, can you believe this? I mean, so like, much. I, mean, I, I remember in college, I read um, Dale Carnegie's, how, like, you know, that, that famous How to Make Friends and Influence People. And yeah. so much of it's like, you know, if you see, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to sell this a guy, a guy something. Like, oh, you, you see he's a fisherman. Start start telling him about fishing and then asking him, I don't know, it's weird. Like, the, the level of insincerity. That goes along with like success in this country, that and it works. I mean, but like I, well, not I, only, but 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 the Dale Carnegies of the world are the Dave Chappelle's compared to the Gary V. Like you know, right. Dale Carnegie, they were actually saying something. Like Dale Carnegie, even in your, even in what you just described, was giving you some kind of advice. Like look at the fishermen, <laughs> talk about fish. I mean, the generic horseshit that they peddle now, whether it's Ty Lopez or Gary Vaynerchuk. They don't even break like uh, uh, Dale Carnegie or 
who's the big sales guy, uh, Zig Ziglar. Right. They at least were like, all right, let me walk you through a sale. You sit down, you look at the prospect, you ask the prospect a question, you let him answer. He, they're at least going to, dude, Gary Vanish, okay. these guys are literally going out and going, crush it. Oh, no, but I'm not, I'm, I wasn't even shooting on Daniel Carnegie. I'm saying is like, but to succeed in America, and he's right. You know, you kind of have to be this false person. Like you have to, and like, cause I would never, I, I would always like, I looked at it and go, I, I see what you're saying, but I can't in the good conscience just like start like pretending I also fish or, or whatever, or start get, like pretending to give a shit. And some of it's also just I'm a fat but, slob. But, you, but here's the thing. <laughs> you are a person. I am a person. Most right. people are not people. Yeah. So, I mean, most people don't have thoughts, ideas, values. Like I was trying to tell somebody the other day, I'm like, I've never wanted to be at a music festival or in the green room with Drake. Right. I like going to the Continental Club in Austin, Texas, where there's 40 people. It's a bar, and I'm seeing James McMurtry. I don't think I'm better than the people that Arthur Drake thing. It's just for me, what's authentic to for me is the McMurtry thing with 40 people in a bar in Austin, Texas, because it's like that's as close to the reality of what that guy is as you can get, right? I don't want to see him at Carnegie Hall. I just – Seeing him where he performs in Austin at midnight on Wednesday, to me, is like that'll probably go down. And I've seen Bruce Springsteen at the Garden. I've seen amazing, amazing things. But it might be the best musical performance I've ever seen because it was it was the most real. It's the most authentic. There was no corporate sponsors. There were there was no tickets. I think you walked in, you paid five or ten dollars. Like everyone was there to just hear music because they love the dude. And it was over. It was a two-hour show. It was fucking wild. He played so many songs. But that was it. There was no other element. There was no fashion. Everybody yeah. was dressed like shit. People were dancing, but they, they didn't know how to dance. I mean, it was, I mean when everything I went to, about it. Yeah. Yeah. When I went to New Orleans, you go to Frenchman Street. Not, not Bourbon Street. Frenchman Street. And, yeah. like, every bar you walk into, you buy a beer. And you're hearing the, great, like, the greatest music I've heard like, in my life. The greatest live music. And it's just nameless people doing stuff that blows your mind. And then, like, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's a different world than, like, you know, the music and the entertainment, like, some, you know, and even, even what I normally consume. I'm not trying to even be above it. It's like, oh, my God, it's like, it's like it, there's a level of manufactured just slop that we all just kind of, most of us kind of accept, even if we know better. You know, it's just a... Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, I mean, when you look at TikTok, TikTok is people lip syncing. <laughs> the movie quotes and songs of other people. It's amazing. They're building a following lip syncing the words of other people. It's like, these people have massive careers. Their talent is being good looking and or lip syncing. Uh, we've given up in this country in yeah. terms of art. We've, we've given up across the board. Um, so it's just kind of about how the end plays out. I mean, I don't know what art looks like in 50 years in this country, but I mean, outside of a few shows, the Americans, things like that, it's pretty garbage. No, even, and, even TV, like the golden age of TV yeah. had been over for at least five years, six years, seven years. Yeah. It, 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 we're and, in a steep decline. No, we're in a steep decline, and uh, it'll only be accelerated, I think, by – you know, what's happening now, because with, in order to get people out now, I mean, it's going to be like, I mean, Broadway's done. There'll never be, I didn't take you to see The Ferryman, did I? No, I didn't see The Ferryman. It's a shame. It was so great. I mean, we're never going to, listen, it's going to be, dude, Broadway is now going to be like Cardi B does a musical about climate change. Right. It's going to be so bad. 
<laughs> like she's gonna be like the the polar caps are melted. That ain't fucking good. Like it's gonna be so bad that you because that's the only way they're gonna get people out. Doja Cat I mean, does bad, Hamlet. I mean, dude, they're not getting. They're, you're not gonna see an Arthur Miller play. I mean, I hope you are. You're right. not gonna see a View from the Bridge. You're not gonna see. And dude, that's fucking sad because like that's where we're headed. And those are the only like you're just gonna see this saccharine crap. Yeah. Which it's going to be celebrity infested, and the celebrities are not going to know how to sing or dance, and they're just going to go on stage, and people are going to buy tickets to be in a room with a celebrity, and that's going to be the death now. I mean, that's kind of it's already the death now. Like Broadway was already sixty percent horseshit, yeah. but then you'd have forty percent of like, okay, death of a salesman, the ferryman, uh, original musicals that are still kind of good. Um, it's ending, and it's and it's going to be. Unless this turns around quickly, and unless they just start testing the vaccinations on the military and go, fuck it, it's for your country, shut your mouth, which they probably should do. <laughs> um, and there, there's articles saying they might start doing that, where they might just be like, hey, man, it's for your country. You know, what? what it is. Yeah, they're, they're thinking about just testing the military. But do they even need to do that? Like, I mean, I, I don't know much about clinical trials, but I didn't think they needed, like, to... I thought by the time they start testing on people, it's pretty safe, right? Like, it's not like... I mean, I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. it's dark. Do you think they cure this thing? And then, like, I don't want to be stroking any fear here, but, like, there's nothing to say that, like, we can't have another, like, like next year or two years from now, there won't be another virus. Like, if and I don't know that we're going to be any better yeah. prepared next, you know, if it happens again. Like, you, you, I mean, I, that's why I think this doesn't change. I, that's why I think things don't ever go back to normal in the way that they were. I think there's, uh, I think... Uh, I think you're going to look at fever detection as being huge. I think that biotech companies are going to pioneer a lot of type of fever detection, uh, you know, equipment and uh, technology. I don't think that. I think it's very possible that to get into a concert, you know, or a large gathering of people, you might have to go through some infrared thing. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, the only thing they'll save us now is technology and med science. And I mean, that's all that'll save us. I mean, that's really it. I mean, listen, the best time to live in this country was from the 60s or 70s through, uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago. Sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, we I shit mean, on we boomers, but I mean, the best I, time to live in the world. We shit yeah. on boomers, but I would have done what they did. I mean, I'm not, I'm not any better than them. I, we only, we shit on boomers because they just haven't left quietly. That's all. <laughs> the whole thing with boomers is just, I, it's not even that you looted and burned everything down. Just leave quietly, you know? <laughs> you can't have moral authority. It's like boomers are like if Ken Lay was like, <laughs> like, didn't kill himself. I'm like, so he became some televangelist. It's like, just shut up. Like, it's just, <laughs> that's, great. that's my only real issue with, like, like, I regret not traveling. I look at the world, man. I'm like, I wish I'd gone to Italy and Paris and all this bullshit, but I dedicated my whole life to fucking telling jokes in nightclubs. But it's like, you look at it and you're like, wow, you know, I, I can't believe that. You know, things are never going to, like, it's going to be fucked. Dude, well, Italy you, you have Doja you Cat. You don't need Italy. Good. Listen, that ain't wrong. You ain't <laughs> wrong. I mean, do you think Italy's going to ever go back to being, like, actually, like, when are we going to be able to go to Italy and get, like, a bowl of pasta and be like, hey. I mean, a couple of years. Look, they'll, they'll vaccinate the yeah. fucking place they'll, if, if we don't get another virus, which, like, to be fair, is it not, like, we went a lot of years without having one, so it's probably fine. The thing about Italy is, like, they all live together, but, like, 
are they going to change that? I mean, part of it's like they're, half that country is like, you know, the houses, not every house, of course, but like so much of that country is just like, really old and old buildings and they value their old stuff. It's like, you know, you have to bulldoze so much of it, like, you know, to make room for like, you know, old people to live separately from their, from their kids and stuff. I don't know. They all live on top of each other. That's part of the charm. So it's like, right. And they love, look, I mean, they have, they have a certain passion for life, the way they live it. So, um, they'll get beaten down, but I feel like they're arrogant enough. They have a whole thing in Italy, apparently, which makes sense, but I didn't know, like, I don't remember the word for it, but the governors had to be like, they had to like kind of plead to not use, and there's a term for like cleverly circumventing rules. And it's part of their culture. It's not, you know, it's like just to kind of be outlaw, to be not outlaws per se, but, you know, to be kind of, um, to push back against, you know, any kind of, you know, authority. So, I mean, yeah, we have that in America. We have that in America too. Yeah, it's just a little, it, it seemed more fun the way they put it though. It seemed more like you know, like it was it, right. So uh, what are you saying? That's going to help them or that? Yeah, hurt them? Well, I think I, I think they'll they'll come out of it and not necessarily uh, their yeah. spirit might not be broken as much. I think mean, you know, I mean, they, look, they got bombed to shit during World War Two, and they and they're still pretty. Uh, they have a lot of pride, so I think they'll come out of it. I and, mean, I just want to go to a nice Italian restaurant in Italy and be served. You know, I just, it's not fair to me. <laughs> this is all not fair to me. I just want to go to Paris before it looked like fucking, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the capital of Saudi Arabia? I hate when I have to fucking think to be racist. Oh, um, what is, Riyadh, Riyadh. Yeah, yeah, I just want to go to Paris before it was fucking, it looked like Mecca, you know? <laughs> Can't I just go to France, you know? Yeah. Get souffle and not get bombed. I mean, I always say, I, I always come too late. Like, I came to the morgue too late. People are always telling me, you know. You hear uh, Henry Clay Kissinger writing articles like trying to prop up globalism and everything. He's like, we need a world order. This is shut up. <laughs> fucking genocidal pig. How is that guy still? He's the only one still pumping. I fucking. He's still, dude, he is. You're, you're not kidding, dude. He, you want to talk about adrenochrome. That guy, <laughs> God, he's got a. He's the only one still going. What do you still? We'll wrap this up. What do you think drives a guy like Kissinger to keep? Like, he was he ninety now? I mean, like, what does he even? I mean, he's seen the world kind of decay, uh, and like all the movies. I mean, at that level, so I think at that level, it's a guy that like had such a huge influence for so long on the way the world actually worked. Yeah. And now I think it's you know his version now is just writing off that and stuff. I'm sure he has a direct line that probably dropped. But, Probably you think Trump listens to him, him. Or he's just like he's just like here's the oh, accent, knows, he just but, zones out. But I mean, like this multilateral world order bullshit thing that they tried to build is falling apart very quickly. Uh, trying to save face for history or for whatever, like he's trying yeah. to be like, yeah, no, guys, this is good. You know, these supranational organizations are, are great that don't respect anybody's nationhood, or you know, no, that's the way to do it. And every global system should be some weird financial. Uh, system that people barely understand and it just benefits the rich and you know that's just, the move it's such a thing it's such a move of whatever these people are these globalists that like i mean for decades now and like it's not just a minority thing kissinger is known for being whatever he was in, under nixon and also as a war criminal like and, and it's such a right. huge prevalent thing and they and like every fucking you know generation with the iraq war they brought him back with this they're like like why don't they just have him fucking take a curtain call and fucking bring someone else out? I mean, this guy is tainted. But I think it also, yeah. I think you look at these guys, it's just kind of like this whole thing, when it, whether it's globalism or not, it's just people that want to control more territory, larger swaths of the world. Yeah. The same thing as Attila the Hun. It's just the, the export now is not 
you know, uh, you know, as, as you know, it's put in a better package. But it's the same thing. It's just they want power. They want to own everything. They want to control everything. And that's why they hate Russia. And I'm not saying Russia's good, or I'm not saying Venezuela is good, or anything. But like, you just hate people that resist being in the system. Right. You know, and that's what it really, truly is. And that's why. You know, guys like Kissinger are still firing off op-eds because they're like, you know, the system must be protected at all costs. That's really what these guys are in, invested in. Right. It's the system. And it's the system, and that's why you need the skull and bone and all the feeder societies, uh, bullshit, and, the, you know, whatever it is that, you know, elevates people so that they all can be counted on to protect the system, that is what you're looking at it's the system over anything else it's barely the country i don't i think the country is a part of the system it's just one of the america is just one of the ways to enforce the system right and the system is the most important thing and that's why you see all of these you know you know elitists they're they're groomed for the for the majority of their lives to be secretive private people that you know you have a lot of dirt on each other and are you know you know enforcers of a certain code that's really all what it is i mean whether you talk about the, the predilection for sexual violence or the degradation of women or children and the way that that gets swept under the rug and protected and like all of it is just because those people when they are called upon hold up the system and enforce it in whatever capacity they can could be writing an op-ed could be putting a bullet in someone's head could be uh, securing uh, mining rights. It's whatever they can do from their vantage. Could be just making a movie where they play a patriotic soldier <laughs> because they got the narrative. It's like right. in whatever capacity you uphold the system, that is gone. What a brilliant rant. I should have done it on my show. Listen, I have to take a shower. Okay. Well, what, Tim, right. where, where can people find you? If they don't know by now, fuck them. No, I'm kidding. Fair enough. Tim Dillon show. Tim Dillon show. That's all. And by the way, that's all that's left. I will not be coming to a town near you. He's feeding doctors. He's he's speaking truth. Go listen to Tim Dillon. Tim, thanks so I'm much for coming on the, the show. Bill. They're getting the bill. They fucked me for the last time. I just I just want to call that doctor tomorrow and go. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> you think I'm gonna fucking pay for your meals? You mother filed. See you in court. What if I call the police on the <laughs> ER doctor and, and say that they stole my debit card? All right, I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, Tim. It was a great Tim Dillon. Well, that's just, that'll do it for today. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ray Comp. Uh, go listen to Our Love is Disgusting. Also, go sign up for the Comp Patreon. Uh, we do uh, every Monday. Uh, a new episode comes out. Uh, and on top of that, you know, um, you know, just, just, you know, follow me, be, be a part of the whole fucking thing. I don't know what to tell you. Go live, listen to our love is disgusting. Stay safe out there. I'll see you guys soon.